Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Are you interested on in how you can use cutting edge technology like virtual reality for spiritual practices and mindfulness? Well, on today's podcast, I have Jeremy Nickel. He thrives at the intersection of spirituality and technology. A lifelong spiritual adventurer and entrepreneur, after graduating school in Berkeley, California, and jobs in the tech world, Jeremy was ordained by the Unitarian Universalist Association and served seven years as a spiritual leader of Mission Peak UU Congregation in interface spiritual community in Silicon Valley. He left in 2016 to launch Evolver. Evolver is a secular spiritual community that is creating personal growth experiences in virtual and augmented reality. In January of 2022, Evolver was acquired by Trip, where Jeremy continues to lead communities as the VP of community and live events. When unplugged from his ministry, Jeremy enjoys spending time exploring the great outdoors of his newly adopted state of Colorado and his wife, Nicole, a UCC minister and daughter, Eliza. Maybe I said that wrong, but without any further delay, I'd like to welcome Jeremy. All right. Good to be here. There's a mountains right behind me. So Oh, I love it. How do I see your daughter's name again? He's Eliza. Eliza. Okay, cool. I want to make sure I got that right. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, man. I, I can tell you got a, while you're in Colorado, you have a virtual background. Is that is that the actual mountainous background taken in some local mountainscape? That's right. I live in Boulder, Colorado, and we have these incredible kind of foothills of the Rockies. I grew up in New England and they all seem like mountains out here to me, but people call these foothills. Um, but they're super tall and imposing and impressive to me. The ones right behind me in this pick are called the flat irons. And yeah, they're right behind my house. We get up there regularly. That's awesome. What yeah. caused you to move to Colorado? Been in the Bay Area for most of the last 20 years before we got out here. Mm -hmm. um, it was a great place. Uh, I did grad school there and um, served the community, as you mentioned, and, and started my company. You know, I guess there's a couple things. One is I'm not the only person who discovered how great it was to live in the Bay Area over the last two decades. So it was just getting full. Um, everywhere we went that used to be, you know, a little bit full was now crazy full. Traffic was a nightmare. And I remember clearly, it must have been like probably early 2016, I heard a news report that was like 680 will have 50% more cars on it by 2030. And it just broke something inside of me to think of even more cars, like 50%. Where will they even go? Um, so we started looking at other options. That's cool, man. Yeah. Colorado seems to be a good spot where like you probably have a nice balance between nature and also like high tech Definitely. community people doing cool stuff. Yep, yeah. Absolutely right. That's super cool. That's super cool, man. And for like, I mean, you talked about the, the living at like the intersection of spirituality and technology, right? So like, yeah what for you like what's the passion around that like what is the really the genesis that causes you to want to live at that that intersection two early loves of my life you know like we have themes that we develop at young ages of interest and mm. from a super young age i mean eight, eight eight years old i was asking these big questions like what happens when we die i mean everyone does i don't mean i was yeah. special for that but i was more interested in them and um i was raised in a really interfaith home um, where my questions were just met with more resources, really, not answers. Mm -hmm. um, so spiritually, I've just always been really curious. And at a young age, decided, like, I wasn't looking to become a Christian or a Buddhist or a Muslim, but to just be on a spiritual adventure for as long as I could be. And to me, that means meeting people and talking to them and non-judgmentally hearing their thoughts and going to places where people practice rituals and where uh, spiritual community exists and just observing and taking in what's special about that for the people who make it up. Um, and, and then the tech side, um, my parents ran a video company in the 80s when I was a little kid and then a computer company in the 90s when I was kind of more of a teenager. So I was always surrounded by the latest tech stuff. I was always playing with computers and video cameras and, you know, making games and movies with my friends and so those were just two themes, you know, that have been there for a long time. And I think it's natural for us to want to find integration with stuff like that. So how, how could I bring those things together? You know, what would it look like 
for technology to inspire my spiritual path and for spirituality to affect, you know, how I think about technology. And I just found the more I dove into that space, the more it felt like, yep, this is home. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's cool to find those, those intersections that happen. It really kind of, kind of step you into an area that you can, you know, especially create a community. It's something that it's not a lot of people when they think about community, what they really mean is customers. Yes. Right? They, they just kind of show up and they do that and they're like, why, you know, and, and they kind of blitz things and that's it. Right. And so for you, you've been on this grind for, you know, I mean, 2016 is like building up a community and shows the passion there. And this is, I believe, one of the larger spiritual communities. Do you want to talk to me just a little bit about the evolution of Evolver? Yeah, sure. Um, so my brother-in-law is a tech guy um, mm -hmm. and he was working on a VR project and he lives up in Seattle. Uh -huh. He needed someone to host demos for him in the Bay Area where I lived, where I literally was just putting people into headsets and, you know, pressing go and then letting him take over the demo. And that was my first encounter with this next generation of VR. And it was like early 2016, late 2015, you know, just mm -hmm. the first beta testing equipment for what would become this new generation of uh, HTC Vive really was the thing we were playing with. And I saw the same thing happen over and over again in these demos. People who had been to a VR demo a dozen times over the previous 20 years and found it not quite ready suddenly saw that this new generation of tech yeah. was really there. And they said the same thing at the end of every demo. It was like I was with him, talking about my brother-in-law up in Seattle. Mm -hmm. It was like I was there with him. It was like we were in the same room. Um, and for me, that's kind of the magic words for spiritual community. It's mm -hmm. one thing for you and I to be talking to each other on this really great piece of technology, streaming video. I can mm -hmm. see your face and you know your smile and um, really hear the little intonations in your voice. But there is something different about feeling like my body and your body are in the same physical space. Mm -hmm. um, it, it creates an intimacy. It creates a shared presence that I think in virtual reality with the equipment being as good as it is now, our mind believes is as real as whatever you want to call this reality, physical reality. Um, and so when I saw that happening over and over again, I finally put together, maybe this was the space I was looking for. Cause I was at the time leading a Unitarian Universalist congregation in the Bay area, which is this really progressive spiritual community, but it still, it still had limitations that were feeling like they were holding me back from the people I really wanted to be serving. And when I saw this new space where potentially people could meet up bodily around the world um, and that we could create spaces that didn't have to worry about physics, where we could create new kinds of tools around meditation. I got really excited. And so um, I just started leading meditations in Altspace VR, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just whenever I wanted to, I didn't have anything scheduled. I'd just pop in and say, you know, in five minutes, I'm going to start leading this meditation. And they were really popular. Um, people didn't really know why they were doing VR in 2016, although I, I assume they wanted to play video games. And they would also find that they could meditate there. And I think everyone in the world knows they should be meditating at this point. Mm. But it's kind of hard if you're not. I mean, there's some people who are really wired for it, but I think most people find starting a meditation practice really difficult. And they might even do it for a week or two and feel great about it and then quickly lose that momentum and fall away from it. But we found quickly, or I found quickly, because it was just me at the time, that because people were being social in these VR spaces as well, they each had an avatar, I had an avatar, we thought we were there together in real life, we could, we could get them there for more reasons than just they thought they should meditate. They would come because they wanted to see their friends again, they would come because our spaces were gorgeous, um, and then they would meditate since they were there already. And I could see pretty quickly I was on to something that that meditation in virtual reality was going to be a big thing. And, you know, as I talked about a little bit earlier, I love the thing that I love in life is meeting people with the resources they need to grow in the next step that's right for them. And meditation is one of the most powerful growth, personal growth tools there is, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it became obvious to me this could be a real venue for sharing meditation with a ton of people who will never find it otherwise. 
So that was kind of the genesis. That's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, meditation is is one of those universal things that like if everybody meditated, it would. It's like a. It can be that the power of like focus and the power of being awareness and mindful. Like we kind of live in the attention economy right now, and yeah. so we're we are getting those instant gratification you know, social media and all that jazz. So the fact that you have this meditation, which is like the opposite is <laughs> it sounds, it sounds wonderful. Now, when you're talking about the guiding them through meditations, can you just talk me through a little bit? Of, is, it, is it, are you actually verbally guiding them through it? Do you like set a timer in there? Do they, is it, are they all like in the same virtual room together as you go through? Can you talk me just a little bit about the process? Yeah. So over time we've evolved a ton of different options for people who come to our VR spaces. So I could pretty much say yes to all those things, but I'll give you a, a, some real little windows into what we're doing. Yeah. Um, some of we have 14 people other than myself who lead meditation sessions for mm -hmm. us. Uh, they're meditation trained uh, experts from around the world. And so you will go into, so I should say we're Evolver. We do live events. We're mm -hmm. a part of the trip community. The mm -hmm. trip does solo events so you end up in the trip app in a lush extremely graphic rich really beautiful solo environment what my team focuses on is creating spaces in existing vr platforms like altspace vr or vr chat or rec room or horizons and we build a world in there and lead live meditations and so you know we'll get dozens of people, hundreds of people to show up live at these meditation sessions. Some of them are led very traditionally. You're sitting on the ground in a posture. Uh, a meditation teacher is verbally leading you through a meditation for 20 minutes. We'll do a check-in beforehand where people can kind of share where they're at and a check-in afterwards where people can really share maybe some questions that the experience raised for them or observations. Um, so that's one kind. We also have um, meditation spaces we've created where we can do meditations that aren't traditional and are very impossible in real life. For instance, um, you may have heard of the overview effect, which is um, what happens to astronauts of any flavor from any country who go up to outer space and they see the earth from above. Mm -hmm. And it literally like paradigm shifts their brain instantly, like it rewires them cognitively to see the world in a much more unified, connected way. It's really a beautiful thing that I think everyone needs. Mm -hmm. And so we built an experience in virtual reality where whoever shows up at the beginning starts out on the ground, the, the, the ground of planet Earth, it looks like, uh, together. And mm -hmm. then with some guided uh, voice meditation as well, but mostly not, <clears throat> they slowly float up through the 20-minute meditation until by the end, they're looking down at outer space, yeah, from outer space, down at planet Earth together, a gorgeous Earth slowly rotating in front of them with no borders between countries. And so we try to really simulate the overview effect. And, mm -hmm. you know, if going up to outer space for real and floating in zero gravity is 100% experience of the overview effect, I think we give them like a whole lot of that, 80% of that. I mean, they're not, they don't have the weightlessness, but the way people react to that meditation experience is transformational. They mm -hmm. really get some part of that brain rewiring experience when they see the earth from above in that meditation. So um, we have those kinds of sessions. We do yoga. Yeah. You look like you have a question. Yeah, the question about that, which I think is interesting, is that, so generally speaking, people, when you meditate, you meditate with your eyes closed. But right. in these other sessions, when you're doing this group thing, and you're, if you're all in the room together, so you're meditating, but you can see everybody inside the room. Like, like, as it, uh, for example, is it like, let's just say there's 20 people. Do you see 20 people floating into the air? Yep. And then you're all floating in, into the sky and you look around. Is that, the, is that what's going on around you? You got it. Yep. Okay. And I'll also say... Uh, Buddha, the guy who is pretty well known and connected to meditation, often led meditations with eye open. So it's kind of a newer conceit that meditation is always with its eyes closed. That's how mm -hmm. we picture it in the Western world. But it's only one form of a really diverse set of ways that you can meditate. And we do some some closed eye meditations and we do some open eye meditations. Yeah. 
how does the how does the um the yoga work because you can you can only have you can see the hands you can see the heads but you you can't really see the feet so, so we bring our yoga instructors in as a hologram a live mm. hologram so oh. they, you can see their entire body um, uh -huh. we're continuing to innovate right so we are like what can we do right now as best we can and how can we keep building to better and so we wanted to get a minimum viable product version of VR yoga going so that we could continue to learn and iterate as we went. So, yeah, currently um, our meditation and our yoga instructor appears as a, a giant hologram. It's pretty cool, actually. Um, and then, yes, as you said, all the rest of the attendees are avatars who often don't have legs. Uh, it's hard to do, you know, like in a normal yoga class, the mm -hmm. instructor might come around and like assist you to get your leg in the right position or something that's not going to happen also we generally do chair yoga because without pass through it's a little dangerous to have people doing bless you gesundheit salute thank you thank you um so yeah we do we do a very modified yoga program at this point but it's all about you know learning for the future as we continue to to build beautiful okay yeah and that's the thing is like uh, VR is, for a while has been a perpetual game of like almost good enough, right? And now it's you know it's good enough, but people are like, well, it needs to be photorealistic, and you need to have you know, the whole body in there. It need to be your brain needs to be plugged into the matrix. Well, no, you, you can you can get massive benefits from it. Um, do you want to talk speaking of that like some of the benefits some of the people get from going through these meditations and going through the programs and the anecdotal or anything that you have that you can speak to of uh, some stories about? The benefits yeah, endlessly i could sure. yeah i mean we're living through a mental health crisis in the world right now mm -hmm. I think most people are aware of that like people mm -hmm. are more anxious and depressed than they ever have been in at least recorded psychological human history and i bet um pretty close to to any nadir that we've experienced previously so um we especially during the pandemic when that was even more the case when people were already depressed and anxious and then locked up oftentimes alone mm -hmm. for weeks and months um, VR exploded in general um, as a use case and meditation was really what people needed in that moment. So we had, I mean, our sessions doubled and tripled over the pandemic regularly. And we heard from people often who just said, this is my only social right now coming here to meet with people. This is my only anxiety medication I'm taking right now, meditating with you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I believe that thousands of people during the pandemic were joining us regularly for the only thing that was connecting them to other human beings and connecting themselves to their own center in that way that could maybe dissolve some of that anxiety. But I mean, that's like the tip of the iceberg because, you know, people who have social anxiety, sometimes VR magnifies that for them but oftentimes it doesn't it becomes a really safe place for them to explore and our sessions end up being like when someone shows up in vr for the first time and they have some social anxiety and they don't know what to do and they yeah. see a meditation session they're like well i bet i won't meet a lot of trolls there at least yeah. you know so it ends up being a really safe place for people to be in general and start their vr journey um we have countless stories of people who have met loves in our community mm -hmm. um people who have uh overcome depression people who have gone through the loss of spouses through divorces um we have a very so we do the meditation and yoga we also have other sessions like one called death q a that's mm -hmm. probably our most popular where people just come to talk about death there's not wow. a lot of places in western society where that's okay to do and we don't like make fantastical claims that we know what happens when you die but we do make real claims about what we know about the process of death physically in the body about grieving um, and we let people just talk about their mm -hmm. own stories and process together what's going on with them and so i mean literally thousands and thousands of people have been through those sessions processing deaths of loved ones upcoming deaths of their own we have had people die with us um so yeah, it's amazing. Uh, one second. When you yeah, say yeah, you've yeah. had people die with you, can you please, because can you please elaborate, like, can you please just elaborate on that? Yeah. So people have found us when they were in an end of life situation. Um, yeah. 
multiple times and and we were an extremely important resource as they moved through those final days weeks months in some cases there was one person who was literally in vr goggles with members of our community as they took their last breaths um, oh so you know we have wow we have all those you know i told you before i led a real life physical reality congregation mm-hmm. there's even more vulnerability in virtual reality and so there's even more grieving and real processing and uh, connecting that we've been able to do in VR than I ever could in real life or physical reality, as I keep trying to call it. Uh, that's crazy. I mean, it's also, I mean, what a, what a very powerful, I mean, and what a um, responsibility um, and also like a bit of a, you know, um, uh it's a very special moment. I mean, it's sad, but it's also, I mean, if someone's choosing to spend their last moments, I mean, that's the last thing that they get to do and they spend it with you. I mean, that it says a lot about you and the community and everything that you've, you've put together. Um, how do you, cause you said it and it made me think about it. You know, the internet is full of trolls and people do come in to everywhere, zoom bombs no. and, and everything else. How do you, how do you manage any types of trolling or any of that activity um, inside of these social environments? It's a really real thing for us. Um, you know, no one ever goes into a physical reality meditation studio and starts saying the N word as loud as they can while oh, meditating, but you better believe it happens to us and, and worse. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's just incredible the kind of trolling that some people get off on. So uh, there's a number of things. There are technical ways that we have, you know, built tools to deal with that. Uh, and some of the VR platforms do a great job of giving you moderation tools. We do a lot of our events in alt space VR because they have some of the best moderating tools in virtual reality. So we can mute people and kick them out really quickly. We have a very well-resourced group of moderators who, mm-hmm. so we have live moderators in all of our sessions who aren't the session leaders, not the people who are leading, but who are just there to, make sure that the the space is safe because that really matters for our people. Um, But also I would say our session leaders are pretty amazing at turning, you know, some trolls are just trolls and they just, they are just like, they woke up on the wrong side of the bed and they want to make other people miserable. But I think most people, they want to not be a troll. They really do. And they don't know how to be better. A lot of them are 14 year old boys from somewhere in the UK or the US. (laughs) But, you know, our session leaders have learned how to pull more than half of these trolls into relationship with our community. They'll come and they'll be a pain and and we'll say like, hey, what's going on with you that you want to come here and do this instead of just giving them what they thought they wanted with, you know, a freak out response. And we're able to, in many times, diffuse the situation and even get the person to meditate with us. So um, that is what we consider the biggest win is like, if you can transform a troll experience into now a meditator, like that session leader will go to sleep pretty well that night, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful gift. I mean, if you could do that to a lot of the different trolls that come through, because they, you're right, a lot of them are young and fired up and they've got just a lot of pain going on inside yeah. of them and being able to handle that versus, you know, uh, uh, screaming or trying to, you know, there's a lot of uh, probably non-constructive ways to handle uh, that situation. That's beautiful that you guys are able to do that. I was curious about that. And then, and I mean, you said that, so those are, there's the tools, the moderation tools. There's also the moderators who can kind of have that discourse with them. Um, what about in terms of intention setting or things that you do as a general community guideline so people know how to operate, uh, you know, uh, values, decorum, things like that? How do you how do you get people into the right mindset when they step into this? So anytime you walk into one of our spaces, the first thing you're going to see is one of those lawn signs that have become ubiquitous in the United States that say, in this house, we believe science is real, women's rights are human rights, Black Lives Matter, etc. And so I put that in there uh, in all of our spaces because someone asked me once, like, how do I know what the values are of this community that I'm trusting with my vulnerable self? And I'm a crazy progressive liberal and I'm a hundred percent unapologetic about that. And it's really important that the community I lead is welcoming to everyone, 
we do draw a line, of course, at people who feel the need to disrespect other people for no reason. So as long as you're willing to come there and respect people, we really try to meet you as you are and um, be open to hearing your story, sharing our story with you and growing with you. But I think having those words just like right immediately in front of people as they enter our space helps just signal to people, um, you know, this is a safe space for for everyone as long as you're willing to be respectful. So, you know, I think it's technology and it's culture, you know, like we have a long history of culture now at, at Evolver because we've existed for, you know, five or six years. So, um, you know, people have been around long enough that they seed that culture to those who come after them. And um, if you come into one of our spaces now for a meditation session, there's a good chance that two thirds of the people in that room have been to dozens, if not hundreds of other of our sessions. And so they help. You know, it's like when you have a whole lot of healthy people in a room, it's a lot harder to be toxic. It's one of the things we learn in spiritual community is like you don't beat toxic people. You surround them with health and you just make it so they can't be toxic. And we have so many incredible, healthy people in our community that it makes it really hard to be toxic around them. That's beautiful. And that's a, it's very insightful in that area. You have that, uh, I would say, positive social pressure yeah. going on in that direction. I think that's like, right. hey, man. Yeah. Um, that's, we will that's try great. to love you. We will really try to love you. Like, that's what we want to do. You know? <laughs> I'm going to love the hate idea. Right. That's, <laughs> that's beautiful. I mean, I'm sure along the way, you know, I think growing communities can be a challenge, you know, from, from, I mean, I mean you've done it for a number of years and you've done these things again and again and again. Can you talk about some of what I call, you know, because it's the Heroes Journeys podcast, there's threshold guardians. There's things that kick the crap out of you along the way, right? As a, as a general challenge for growth and transformation. Can you talk to me about some of what I'd call threshold guardians or challenges you face throughout the years as you've been evolving evolver? Well, I mean, it sounded kind of ridiculous to everyone at first, you know, mm -hmm. that you were going to put a hot brick on your face to facilitate meditation. And so I think there was a very real barrier of just like, this is a dumb idea, Jeremy, you know, mm. um, and the only way to get people through that is to have them experience it themselves. There's no way to convince someone that putting a, a set of virtual reality goggles on their face is actually the missing ingredient to their meditation journey. But it, it really is, um, you know, I think. You know, the Buddha, to go back to that awesome guy, he mm -hmm. was trying to solve a different problem than I am and that I think a lot of people are. He was trying to stop being born and help people stop being born because he believed that um, you accrued karma through your lifetime and that you would continue to be reborn in ways that maybe you didn't want to be. And mm -hmm. um, meditation was a path for him to, mm -hmm. to stop that cycle. For me, I don't know if I'm reborn or not. I have no data along those lines but I'm pretty sure I'm really alive right now and that I'm alive during a time in human history that is like crazy anxiety producing. We have like exquisitely designed planet earth to like make us feel as anxious as possible. So we know exactly all the bad stuff that's happening to everyone in all the places all the time coming at us through constant breaking news, beeping and flashing at us. So we won't miss it. Um, and so the problem I'm trying to solve is like, how do you help people stay less anxious just mm -hmm. daily, you know? And mm -hmm. I think meditation is an extremely powerful tool for that. And so, you know, a hot brick on your face may seem like an impediment for a minute, but anyone who gets into virtual reality finds out quickly that it's such a powerful thing you experience in there that you forget about the goggles in minutes and mm -hmm. are just there. And so then what can we do with you when you're there? You know, we can use that new reality to create meditation experiences that have never been able to be experienced by humanity before. So we got over that first one, I think, pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and that's usually because people haven't tried it yet. Right. That's one of those that I've never I've never someone said this. I've never met a critic of VR who's actually tried VR, you know, and like once you try it, you're like, oh, OK. That's mind's right. blown. Yeah, mind's blown. So that, that that totally makes sense to me, especially a lot of people that are resistant to it. So you're just like, okay, just put this on and go through it. And so now that people sort of adapt to it, it's becoming, it goes from the crazy area to prolific, 
right? And so you're shifting into that area. Right. Um, so what was the next threshold guardian that you faced along the path? Well, I think just when we talk about meditation with people who really um, are in that world, they would say, well, don't the goggles like create another thing in between you and your center? It's like, can't you just go to your breath? Why do you have to put another thing in between you that will then tell you to go to your breath? Mm. And um, I, I think that's a fair critique for some people. I also think that, again, we're living in a time when if you're under 50, your life is pretty gamified. If you're under 60, your life has been pretty gamified. You're probably using uh, digital technologies frequently. You have a lot of screens in your life. Um, and so we're trying to adapt to what's happening. You know, people are used to screens. People are used to gamified everythings. So how can we then, instead of have that be an impediment that's making people more anxious, turn it into a tool that can help build some of those muscles that, that we need. And so um, I saw an interview with someone who was talking about trip recently and they said, you know, what's going to happen when you're like in line at the bank and you're super frustrated with how slow it's going and you don't have your goggles with you to remind you to be patient. Well, that's just a straw man because, you know, you don't have any, the whole point is like you're off center and you need to find the way to get back center and it's internal muscles that you'll carry with you everywhere that you're building in the trip app, in the Evolver uh, sessions, just like you are if you're sitting on your meditation cushion in your room uh, doing a meditation. So you're building the same muscles. You're using a different tool to build those muscles, but they come with you everywhere you go. And, um, you know, we have thousands of testimonies from people who have built those muscles from Trip and Evolver who had never been able to before, who had had lots of failed attempts at creating meditation practices. So that's another one that I think um, we just had to get through by continuing to show people, you know, the actual end results of what was happening. Mm -hmm. uh, Trip is a data-driven company. Um, you know, we really stay away from the woo-woo type of meditation stuff, some of which has value, but isn't what we are focused on because we really want to be able to say, like, we have studied this scientifically and we can see the data that shows what it does for people. Um, and that's really important to us. So we have that data. You know, we have worked with doctors and scientists who have used our apps to really see what it does for people. And it absolutely builds those muscles for them. That's awesome. Do you, I mean, do you know those, any of those data stats offhand? I should, if I'm going to say them out loud. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, no, it's okay. I know I'm calling you spot. Like it's, you know, and, and again, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but if you had, it'd be, I mean, it'd be interesting because you said, you know, you're data driven, you've got all the yeah. data there. And I'm just, yeah. I know sometimes it's just, you know, it's a, flashcards. I don't know them well enough to say them with enough assurance that I'm not saying them wrong. Yeah. Um, which is 80% certain you're 100% certain. No, it's all good. It's all good. Okay. So, I mean, and that makes a lot of sense because I'm, you know, the difference, I guess, because you're talking about the woo-woo side versus the other side. You're, you mean, you're talking about like, can, does this not just say we help people, you actually know with science and with data and with analytics yeah. to say that you actually do can in fact actually help people. Right. Have That's you right. have you have you seen um, how many times or how often people have to go to be able to see some sort of impact, some sort of effect? Do you know like what that what that looks like to, to see? Some yeah. sort of measurement? It's something we understand pretty well. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that people start to really see an impact in their life after 30 days. That's the mm -hmm. real truth. And I think that mm -hmm. can be a frustrating truth for some people to hear. They really want to believe uh, that it happens quicker. I think that it can have an immediate impact the first time you meditate, period, with us or not. But in terms of a sustainable change to your brain wiring in a way that will really start to feed you, mm -hmm. I think once you're outside of a month of daily practice, even five minutes, you'll start to really have something that's going to be with you for some time. Um, so, yeah, I think 30 days is a really good way for people to start yeah. thinking in their head about a new practice. That's good. Yeah. And it's just good for people to know. It's like, like, well, how do I have to, you know, do I have to meditate for years to get this benefit in this way? Or, you know, what does that look like? So um, what do you think also, like, are some, you know, common misconceptions about uh, either meditating inside virtual reality or spirituality inside of yeah. virtual reality? So I had a misconception that I think a lot of people have, which is that 
people will be fake in virtual reality. And I can, I'll tell you why I thought that, you know, hey, you go in there and you build an avatar to look like whatever you want. Um, no one really knows who you are. There's this amazing anonymity. So like mm -hmm. VR chat, which is probably, I think the most popular um, social VR app still, mm -hmm. you can literally make your avatar look like anything you want. It could be an idealized version of your real life self. It could be a famous person. It could be something that has nothing to do with a human body. You could be a car, you know, uh, you, you unfortunately could also be a swastika or something like that. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, sorry, what, what was the exact question? I was going to go in a bunch of different questions. I know, I know the, the whole swastika thing. You're like, oh, you just yeah. probably open up Pandora's yeah, box of thoughts around that concept. You're like, oh God, no, no, uh, common misconceptions right, right. about meditation and spiritualism right. inside virtual reality. So I thought because of all that, people yeah. would show up and, and be totally fake. And I'm sure that mm -hmm. does happen to some degree, but mm -hmm. I realized really quickly that it's a hundred percent the opposite. So like I said, I ran a real life spiritual community and I know I, the people who came were amazing people. I loved them deeply and they would be a little fake when they showed up, because that's how we are in public life. You know, you're, you're supposed to yeah. say that you're okay and you're happy and things are good, but mm -hmm. um, usually they're not all those things. Right. And sure. even in our spiritual community in real life, people would come and, and say, Hey, everything's great. Um, and, and then go home and, you know, cry or whatever. And in virtual reality, there's this really heady mix of anonymity and reality. So the anonymity is obvious. I covered that. The reality mm -hmm. is you are there. Your brain feels like your body is there in this avatar form that you created, whether it's a car or a person who looks like you or not. You feel like that thing is representing you physically in that space and that other people are physically in that space. But you're not going to see them at school or work or the grocery store. Again, back to the anonymity. And so I mentioned earlier at our sessions, we do a check-in and a check-out. People will say things in there that they have not said to their lover, to their best friend, to their parent, that they're not ready to say to the world yet. But there's mm -hmm. something about that mix of anonymity and reality that allows them to feel like there are people listening to me who care about me, but I'm not going to have to deal with, you know, the, all the implications of saying this that I would if I said it, you know, stood up in church and said it or something. And so people are more real in virtual reality than they are in physical reality immediately. And if you talk about an important ingredient for spiritual community, you, you know, the more people are authentic and vulnerable with each other, like that's where the growth comes, right? If you come and say, everything's great, like there's not a lot of growth in that. But if you come and say like, gosh, I have been broken by this week, you know, I am hurting and I yeah. need you to meet me there. And then, hey, we can talk and we can be real and we can share resources and, and we can support each other in ways that that matters to our our body, mind and soul. Um, mm. So so that was something that really quickly when I was just leading those first meditation sessions yeah. in all space. Again, I was like, all these people are fake. I don't want to take this too seriously. I'm just leading meditations. And then again and again and again, I would fall into the deepest most meaningful conversations I had ever had. Um, that death Q and a session. If you go and visit that session sometime, mm -hmm. you'll be like, I've never seen people talk to each other like this. Where has this been my whole life? You know? And so it turned what I assumed was going to be a negative in terms of trying to make community and virtual mm -hmm. reality into as big a positive as it could be. That's incredible. And I mean, you're right. There's a, there's this, Humans are interesting. We're very weird creatures. Yes. Like we, we want to have, you know, we, 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 we want to be autonomous and an individual, but we, we very deeply want to be accepted by the community. Yes. Right. And we, and, and we, we crave authenticity, but we also fear judgment. Right. Yeah. And so it's a very challenging place to try to find that fine line. Um, the, the, the death QA sounds incredible. And also, you know, very, um, uh, emotionally expansive and put it that way. The, uh, what do you do? You talk about these deep conversations, right? And, you know, besides the death Q and a, 
um, which is, sounds amazing. What do you do to create that psychological safety, right? What do you, what are the things that you do? What questions do you prompt? What do you, what do you, how do you, in fact, you know, uh, allow, how do you curate the space for people to open up to create that communication? So amazingly, a lot of it is just a naturally occurring uh, element of virtual reality. But of course, we have tried to figure out how can we, you know, stimulate it as best we can and make it feel, um, you know, as, as as safe as it could possibly be to to be vulnerable. I think part of it is, you know, we don't just throw anyone out there to lead our events. They are all uh, people who have gone through a, a huge amount of training as meditation instructors, as group small group leaders, etc. Um, so they know how to make mm -hmm. people feel safe. They understand the verbal cues and the ways to really just welcome people into a space that is is safe. And I mentioned that culture. You know, you mm -hmm. don't just that's something you have to build over years and years of showing up in the same places at the same times and not ever pulling the rug out of underneath people's feet and really. Anytime they say something, meeting it with non-judgmental love. And over time, you know, it it builds into this trust. And it builds into a trust that I think people can palpably feel even if they come for the first time years after that started. Because there's, like I said, this cultural way that people act in our events that's so healthy. Um, and, and, you know, it just it communicates to people like this doesn't happen in every space. So this must be something that is OK here. This must be how this place is. Um, we've also learned how to design our spaces in ways that are inviting and welcoming. So just a few little examples. One is putting that lawn sign in front that I mentioned before. Um, mm -hmm. So that as soon as they walk in, they get a sense of our values. Um, a small one that ends up, I think, being pretty big for us is, you know, like you said, people are funny creatures. And like if I walk into any classroom since I was eight years old until today, I'll always gravitate to the back left corner of the classroom. That's just like that's physically where I go in a classroom. Yeah. That's where I feel safe. If I go into a VR environment, that's also where I'll naturally gravitate to that back left corner. And people come into VR very spatially aware and um, and aware of how close people are to them. And in the Western world, we, as we assume a lot of physical space around us. Our cars are big. Our, our houses are big. Um, and when you're in VR, if someone's right up next to you, it feels uncomfortable, just like mm -hmm. it feels uncomfortable in real life. And yeah. so we built our spaces with designed platforms that are just big enough, just a little bit bigger than one avatar body. And so it just automatically, instead of us having to say over and over again in the event, make sure you're not too close to people, um, there's just these little platforms that you get on and it's clear there's not space for another person. So that's your platform. And then there's not another one for a little bit of ways. And it just automatically grants people that space. Um, and people who didn't even realize consciously that they were feeling uncomfortable because people were near them suddenly mm -hmm. feel much more comfortable unconsciously than they don't even know why. So, you know, spending time paying attention to our spaces that we're creating and how to design them to make them feel comfortable. Just even little things like the spawn point shouldn't be anywhere near where the event happens. We're meditating. So if you drop into the event 10 minutes after it starts and you pop right in near where the meditation's happening, you might be talking, you might be coughing, whatever. So, you know, we've just learned over the years really how to design spaces that facilitate what we're trying to do. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't think about that. The when you come into it, like there's like a safe area that people come in, they creep into the back or the people back. I'm thinking events in like real life. Yep. You know, I was at I was at like a men's retreat this weekend. My voice is gone because of it, right? right. So um, but that I saw, you know, certain people that come in and they would they would go in and they go to the back corner, right? Especially if you come in late. Right? Yep. You, like, you come in, you creep the corner and like, he's like, okay, I'm in, I'm a, I can, I, I can quietly be a part of the group now and start to participate and engage. So, and that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And so that, I mean, yeah, that, yeah. like, uh, we have a, a world designer I work with. I'm not able to do that. I just want to give him all the credit in the world. His name is Alan Chow. I've been working with him for uh, four or five years now, and he's a genius at seeing a space and in his mind, you know, mm. and then bringing it to life in virtual reality in a way that I think communicates that spaceness to people, but also safety and home and all these other things. 
so Alan Chow is our just a genius world designer, and I feel so lucky to work with him. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate yeah. you, buddy. You <laughs> that's awesome. What, what advice? I mean, these are these are very helpful things. I mean, what advice would you give to people that are looking to build communities inside of virtual reality? You know, it could be spiritual, it could be whatever, yeah. you know, but what yeah. do you think? What, what are some things that what advice would you say to them? Stop thinking about it and start doing it. I mean, like mm -hmm. you just need to start getting in there uh, and starting events. It's really just like how you start everything. You throw what you know at the wall and see what sticks and don't mm -hmm. be afraid to say you were wrong and keep reiterating and um, asking the people who do show up why they did and the people who left quickly why they did and be humble about really hearing their responses. You know, for me, I needed Evolver and I didn't have it. I needed a place where people who were searchers who weren't trying to be a Christian or a Buddhist or a Muslim could find each other and grow together. And so I created this. So what is your need? What is your deep passion that you are not alone in that you could start giving birth to in virtual reality? And it's a good time to do it. I mean, it was an even better time. It turned out five years ago when I did it just because not a lot of people were, but still it's early. It's still just past the Wild West phase where there's probably not someone doing the thing you're doing in your mind yet. You know, take that out of your mind and bring it into virtual reality and be the first person to do it. Be the first person to start building that community and that enough. That's that's enough to start your momentum. But the real mm -hmm. thing is you got to be consistent and you got to be committed for the long haul. I spent more than a year in events where there were two or three people. I spent plenty of afternoons and events with one or hoping someone was going to show up and you stick to it and you do it at the same times in the same places for long enough. And suddenly there's 12 and 20 and a hundred and a thousand. I mean, it suddenly just starts to pick up. Um, but you got to really be committed to it for the long haul. <laughs> yeah. That's a diet and exercise. <laughs> I mean, you know, starting this podcast, right? How many people yeah. listen to your first podcast first, listen to, you know, your last one. Yeah, it, for sure. You keep showing up and, and doing awesome stuff and people are going to notice. Yeah, man. Two, two a week, almost every week for two years. So that's it. You know, and that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, people, but people don't want that. They want the hack. Give me the hack. Can right. I take a pill? I don't want to meditate. Give me the pill. Give me $10 million. <laughs> I will give you the hack. There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, I mean, I, unfortunately, I think it's just that like. Yeah. You just got to find that passion in yourself and just keep showing up for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's, it's great advice. And, and, and it's also things that people, you know, they want to know, you know, and people are always unconsciously looking for permission to go take that leap into the unknown. And so it's good. It's good advice to actually give them for people to know. It's like headsets are so cheap. Like, you know, you know, back in my day, you know, when we had the, I used to you know I'm one of the original backers of Kickstarter, right? VR headsets, stuff like that. It was like $3,000 for a Vive and for a, Two thousand dollar PC, and now it's like three hundred bucks on Amazon to your house in twenty four hours, and just boop, you're out the door, ready, set, go. You know, it's it's a very beautiful, wonderful time to get into it, and it's only you know it's only getting bigger. So I That's I completely right. I completely agree with you. Um, with all of this that you're doing, right? Um, along the journey, right? I mean, you've been doing this for a number of years, right? Uh, recently acquired with Trip, which is awesome. It's a great you know, peanut butter jelly uh, sandwich thing going on there, which is, which is beautiful for you. What's your, what's your Holy grail with all of this? What's your, what's your flag in the sand? You know, what do you hope to achieve? I mean, I think the same thing I always have I've wanted to achieve for a long time, which is like when I die feeling like I spent a lot of my energy helping people grow, you know, mm -hmm. helping them become the person that they want to be. And I got to be honest, it's a selfish pursuit. I'm trying to do that myself. Yeah. And, and it helps me to grow to help other people to grow. I learn from other Totes. people. Um, I, you know, it, I need fellow travelers. I need, you know, more resources and all that, too. So, um, you know, if Trip is this incredible vehicle where we have, you know, I don't know the exact numbers right now, but, you know, well over 100,000 people uh, on a monthly basis using our app and, that's amazing. You know, like I think that we know some stuff about the human experience that can be really helpful that a lot of people don't know. You know, meditation is free. It, you don't even need like once you spend some time in trip, like you can take it out of trip and it's with you, you know, always people want to sell you endless pills or 
new workouts or whatever, you got all the tools you need. And so, you know, my whole thing in life is how do we make a community where anyone can show up and they'll be met non-judgmentally by the other people that are already there and they will show them new resources. They will listen to them and learn from them as well. Um, how can we keep doing that bigger? And so I think I found just about the best vehicle I could for where I'm at now with trip to do that. Yeah. And so, and I love it. It's so beautiful. And I, I can, I completely resonate with that because this whole like heroes of reality podcast, right. Is a, is understanding people's lesson stories and insights to help, you know, the listener be the hero of their own story. And, you know, it's, and it's selfish. It's cool. I, I learn and grow along the way. I learn yeah. amazing lessons and insights and it's cool. And, and people listen to it well along the way and they grow along the way. So I think that's beautiful. Like it's that, uh, what do you call that? Um, uh, enlightened self-interest kind of yes. thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're helping other people. It helps you and everybody wins together, which is beautiful. Yes. You know, um, if, but if that's the, if that's the goal, right. Which is like, for you, for your personal growth and help a whole bunch of people along the way to help them grow and, and to make it as big as impactful as possible. Like what's the, um what's the dragon? What's the thing that's so difficult to overcome? You know, you might need to transform in order to beat it. Capitalism. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a big ass dragon, man. <laughs> Why well, go after a small one? Um, yeah. I mean, so I'm not like one of these, like capitalism mm -hmm. is, is the only evil in the world. But mm -hmm. I think the way we have created capitalism specifically, because, you know, we have regulated capitalism, we have a really mm -hmm. specific form of capitalism in the West. It, uh, it doesn't put a lot of value in the things that I think are really important to the actual mm -hmm. human experience, right? Like, it does want to turn us into things that create financial and monetary value. That's the main goal of capitalism to create capital. And, um, you know, my main goal is to help people create uh, a deeper sense of self, inner muscles that will help them return to center when they're anxious and depressed. Um, and capitalism doesn't really concern itself with that. In fact, it wants you anxious. It loves you anxious because then it's got you right where it wants you and you're going to just ease more easily, you know, continue going to your nine to fiver and cranking out the widgets and, and not, you know, revolting, I guess. Um, and so I think of true spirituality as being really countercultural in the sense that, you know, um, it begs us for a form of human economics where um, if, if you're not doing well, I'm not doing well, where we really recognize that all of our destinies are mutually bound up and that, you know, it's part of what we get from the overview effect we see the earth as a whole system that we're a part of, mm -hmm. you know? So I think when I was born, you know, the American dream and the human story was work hard, get rich, retire early um, and travel. And, and then you can enjoy your life. Um, you know, I hope that we're able to articulate a story for humanity over the next soon, <laughs> really soon where we change that to say, um, you know, the goal of life is to share, is to help others, is to grow mutually in community, um, you know, is to love people as best you can. And, um, you know, even a lot of people who call themselves Christians have have strayed pretty far from that message. So, yeah, I mean, I think the dragon is very real. Um, yeah. The dragon has most of humanity where it wants it right now. And so, um at the end of the day, meditation is an empathy and compassion machine, and so is virtual reality. They're both really good at helping us see through other people's eyes. We need to do a lot more of that together. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, that's it's beautiful. And, and you're right, the empathy and compassion, I mean, in terms of meditation and all that stuff, it, it removes a lot of the hate, but there's, you know, teams and, you know, let's go get those guys. And, you know, that it's a very... Um, ego driven kind of thing that that pushes progress forward in some ways and uh it's it's interesting but we kind of live in the belly of the beast right and and trying to trying to build a home in there which is which is uh an interesting um paradox and put it that way to be sure. a part of it yep. uh, uh and <clears throat> along the way you've 
so with uh, Evolver, you have a number of different things that you offer. Um, there's, uh, can you talk to me about one some of the more like popular um, uh, courses and events and opportunities that are out there for people that are interested to to be a part of Evolver? Yeah. So you know. Number one, if, if you go to our website, evolver.org, which is E-V-O-L-V-R.org, or to trip.com, T-R-I-P-P.com, you'll see our schedule of events. So mm -hmm. we have three or four live events every day of the week in one of the social VR platforms. A lot of them, like I said, are in alt space. And, and I would just say to anyone who's listening to this, if you have a VR headset, you know, go download alt space. It's free find some of our uh, classes and sessions and just, it doesn't even matter. Like just show up to a couple of them. Like I said, we have 14 different instructors leading very different sessions. Some people react very well to all of them. Most people find one or two session leaders that really work well for them. So check those out. One way to, that's it's really nice, I think, to get your foot in the water. We have a program called Circles. Mm -hmm. We do them four times a year for 10 weeks each session. You sign up for one circle for 10 weeks. You meet with 10 people once a week for those 10 weeks for an hour and a half. And every time I supply a topic with questions and there's a trained facilitator there. And the idea is to just like talk and hang out and meet new people. So you get randomly assigned a group of people who chose the same time as you from around the world. And you meet up 10 times to get deep. Like you really talk about mm. stuff. The topics are like you know, what do you think happens when you die? Or um, what does grace mean? Some of them are light. Some of them are like fun. What would you do if you won $10 million? And, and the whole point is to just, people don't have a lot of depth in relationship right now. I mean, they might have one or two people that they're close with. They might have some friends at work that they, you know, mess around with, but we facilitate people going deep and creating, you know, real relationships through those circles. And they are extremely popular. People sign up for them over and over and over again. Um, we'll launch a new set of cycle, a new cycle of circles in, uh, they'll probably start in late August, but we'll start to sign up sometime in early August. So that's a great place. People can sign up for that on our websites. And um, I would say, I mentioned death Q and a a couple of times, even yeah. if you think you have a connection to that topic right now. I mm -hmm. promise you as a human being, you actually do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe it's that you lost a pet, you know, two years ago, and that's still in you. Maybe your grandmother is getting close to that age. Um, we're all going to go at some time and it could be tomorrow. So it is amazing the stories and sharing and processing that happens in that space. Uh, there's no bad event. Like all of our mm -hmm. session leaders are incredible. Some of them lead much more traditional meditations and some of them much less traditional meditations. So really, I just invite people to explore. And if you haven't downloaded the Trip app, which is separate, this is that solo amazing experience. Mm -hmm. You can go to the Oculus Quest store. It's a free download to try out our trial experience. And there is a subscription, but it's extremely affordable compared to most meditation apps. Um, it's like a couple bucks a month. And I think there's even like a lifetime that's under 40 bucks. Um, the resources you will have access to through the trip app that you can grab anytime you need them is unparalleled. We also have a free, one of these things, uh, mm -hmm. smartphone apps. It's mm -hmm. a free trip app. Uh, you can get on the Apple or on the uh, Android store. It's chock full of meditations of these like gorgeous visualizations of meditations all kinds of great stuff there. So there's a bunch of options for you. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Um, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how to get a hold of you? Well, just that I, I, I to reiterate what I said before, which yeah. is that VR really needs you. Like I'm a VR evangelist mm -hmm. as much as mm -hmm. I am a meditation evangelist. Um, the thing that makes VR amazing, I think the killer app of VR is social and it needs you. Like it needs everyone to continue building that. So if you have yet to check out VR and you think it's like something for your kid or it's just for games, it's not. There is so much going on in there. Whatever you do professionally, whatever you do for a hobby, whatever you do just for fun, it's happening in virtual reality. You could find a community of people talking about it, doing it, building it. Check it out. It's amazing. And it's going to get to the point soon where everyone's in VR and you'll just have to plug into what is. 
But if you mm-hmm. get involved right now, you can still help create what VR will be. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, creating the future together, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And if people do want to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? Well, probably the easiest way, like literally get a hold of me. Um, you can find you can find me uh, hanging out at our sessions a lot in AltSpace. Um, you can certainly email me through Trip, Jeremy at tripinc.com. Um, and Trip has two P's in it, of course, because the 21st century. And um, yeah, I, I love to just literally meet anyone and hear their story. So if you think you'd love to talk to me, please reach out and uh, we can hang. Beautiful. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for all the good work that you do. Um, much love and much appreciation. Yeah, what a fun conversation. Thanks, Dylan. Absolutely, brother. Take care. See you on the other side. You bet. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.